0: Hi and welcome to the new futurist podcast this is a show where we explore how the future is unfolding the forces that are driving and shaping the future today and most importantly, what you can do right now to start taking an active role in creating the kind of future that you want to see. My name is Jared Nichols. I am the host of this show. And this episode is actually an episode from another show where I was a guest. This is uh, uh, my friend Chris Cooper. He is the host of the Business Elevation Show. And uh, we recently had a conversation about the five drivers shaping the future. Now, this is a, I'm not really even sure what to call it. I wouldn't call it a white paper, but it's really more of an explanation about these drivers of change that we see in the world today. Things like artificial intelligence, big data, uh, climate change, human gene editing, uh, and virtual reality. and And rather than telling you what this means for our future, it's really more of a presentation of two sides of the story because like every story, which most things that we hear are stories, there's always another side to it. And this helps to reinforce that What you think is not nearly as important as how you think. And so, our purpose of putting this out and this show we discuss here too is to encourage more people to challenge ideas and assumptions about the future. So, the best thing is really just to listen to the show. So, I'll stop right there. But uh, before we go forward, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, would love it if you just uh, hit that subscribe button uh, wherever you get your shows so that you can stay up to date and uh, get new episodes. And of course, so I can better understand what's really resonating with you. And also I want to hear from you. Are there things that you'd like to hear more about that we're not talking about? Because I do check the comments. We do take note of these things. And, um, you know, obviously the show is pretty worthless unless we have people who are listening and, and truly benefiting from what's out there. So, uh, be sure to do that. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I'll go ahead and stop right there and let's jump into the show.
1: So let's uh, talk about uh, Jared again. As I say, it's been four years since Jared was on the show. So uh, we need to, need to introduce him. And we're going to talk about, he's a futurist, and we're going to talk about five drivers shaping the future. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting interesting time at the moment. There's so much going on, so much change. But, you know, what are the, the key drivers that are really going to impact your future potentially? What are those key changes that we really need to be aware of and consider and to ensure that we have the opportunity maybe to think them through and think about our own strategies for, for dealing with them or getting involved with them from a business perspective? And uh, J- Jared Nichols is a futurist. He's an advisor and faculty member at the University of Tennessee's Haslam College of Business in graduate and executive education, and he teaches leaders, teams, individuals how to think like futurists so they can create the best future for themselves and the people that they serve. He operates across a really wide variety of sectors and industries from Fortune 500 companies to government municipalities, entrepreneurial startups, and also, a little bit different as well, he works in Hollywood with Accomplished Actors, Writers and producers, helping them to reinvent themselves and discover new areas for growth, both inside and outside the bounds of their industry. He's also a very cool guy as well. He's got some really uh, cool hobbies. He's a musician. He's a composer. He's a competitive cyclist. He's a trail runner living in Charlotte. And uh, he's probably also a superhero. Um, he lives in North Carolina with his wife and their two sons. And he says that his most recent accomplishment is becoming an official card-carrying member of the Dollar Beard Club. And he's making plans to build a workshop and tame a wild animal. So a huge welcome to uh, back onto the show again to Jared Nichols.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Chris. That's awesome. Hey, yeah, I've sent that... Uh, that uh... Have bio to folks too and you're the first person who's actually read that last piece most people just kind of look over that and go nah, i'm not gonna read that <laughs> so
1: i think that's fun that bit, have a bit of fun. so what, yeah. what's the dollar beard club then
0: oh yeah it was i mean they they had great marketing uh but it's it's like the dollar shave club it's a play on that but they send you beard oils and you know bombs and things like that so you can uh, so you can tame your face forest as they put it so yeah that's yeah. right
1: yeah. I, thought you, I thought your beard was looking uh, well maintained. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, you know
0: <laughs> that's because the dollar beer clean no. <laughs> no absolutely. No, thanks for having me back on, Chris. This is exciting.
1: You're very welcome. And was there really a wild animal or is that a bit of a joke?
0: Oh, all of it's a joke. Or <laughs> is it?
1: <laughs> so so what have you been doing since we've you were last on the show, as you know, so I say, January 2016, I can't quite quite wow.
0: Yeah, that is a while. Wow. Yeah, gosh, you know, Chris, I, I'll, I'll give you a quick snapshot. I mean, since you and I last spoke, um, that was about a year before I started to uh, undertake what has now become a three-year-long project to overhaul my business. And um, uh, yeah, so that's really been the the focus of my, my work over the past three years has been uh, creating a digital side of the business so that I could uh, provide more tools and uh, more accessible resources to people to start to change the way they think, not just about the future in general, but more importantly about their role in the future. And I decided to do that because a lot of my work was moving from project to project with larger organizations. And it was training teams and, and working with small groups of people to teach them these skills of strategic foresight. And what I started to uncover in that process was that, uh, the idea that, um, You know, the biggest benefit they were getting was they were getting these new tools and ideas and uh, techniques, if you will, to build scenarios, to really plan long term and make better decisions today. One thing that kept coming up over and over again in this was that I was watching the individual people themselves transform. So they were moving from this place of being uh, afraid of the uncertainty or worried about, you know, where the future might be going to getting excited about uncertainty. They started to really change their viewpoint to say, man, our real opportunities are when things are uncertain because everybody else is hunkering down. Now we can get creative and we have that freedom to uh, to really ask what else might be possible in these areas where everybody else is just, you know, holding back. And so that led me on this journey in a number of areas to, number one, get really concise and simplify the message of the work that I do. And then number two is to create an ecosystem in my business that allowed people to easily navigate through and select the things that they wanted to to consume, to learn, that uh, were much more accessible and written for them. So... That's really been the last three years has been this this overhauling to uh, tighten up the work that I do and uh, make it much more clear and um, invite more people to participate in this process of thinking differently about the future so that we can have more people actively creating the future.
1: Excellent. And also, when we, we spoke, I remember saying to you, you need to be on radio or podcasting because you've got this amazing voice and thank you
0: very much (laughs) for
1: radio and of course of course you've got the looks for tv as well i didn't mean (laughs) away but uh yeah have you what else have you you been doing anything with that since we last?
0: yeah yeah so uh you know shortly after you and i spoke that really did kick off uh you know i've been thinking about podcasting and um after you and i had our first show you really were the first person that uh, lit that fire. I mean, I've been thinking about it, but it was on the back burner. And then after we talked, you lit that fire. You inter- introduced me to Dov Barron, who's become a dear friend. Um, and you you were the one. You were the one that really set that up. And, uh, uh, and actually, I believe that uh, maybe it was Chad Barr that put me in touch with you. It was, Yeah. So Chad, yeah, it's amazing when you can really go back and connect all these dots of how you end up where you are. But anyway, that led into... Um, uh, me uh, podcasting and I was uh, I was I'm a former member of the board of directors of the National Small Business Association in Washington, D.C. And and uh, when we were when I was there, uh, I had just proposed to them. I said, hey, look, uh, why don't we why don't we join forces here? I'll create a podcast and um, we leverage the sixty five thousand plus members uh, across the country. You You leverage that awesome network and I'll create the content and we'll you know i'll find the guests and uh and i we had a blast and it went well and um you know we ran that for about a year and then just decided to stop you know uh, afterwards so those those shows are still up it was called the road ahead and then i've recently just relaunched or i'd say launched a new podcast uh that's repurposing some of that but we'll have a lot of new stuff coming out here pretty soon so yeah yeah that's uh you were you were right there in the beginning
1: Excellent, and and I'm just before we go in back into the business stuff. Competitive cycling and music and trail running and exciting, yeah, it's <laughs> chill boys. Well, you know what's what's been happening on that front as well.
0: Well, you know, I I have to, and I, I, every time I hear that read from my bio, it reminds me like, oh yeah, maybe I should go and take the competitive part out or, and put aspirational in because uh, before kids, I was a competitive amateur cyclist. (laughs) Uh, My brother-in-law is a professional cyclist. So I like to make the comparison that he got paid to suffer, whereas I paid money to suffer. (laughs) Um, But after kids, uh, you know, just the... You know, the competitive side, I mean, I'm still competitive, but am I going to races and, you know, making that a big priority right now? No. I mean, unless it's on Zwift, you know, so virtually I can get in there and race. But, yeah, I I probably need to update that. But, yeah, um, uh, mountain biking, road biking, um, and then trail running. Absolutely love it. I cannot run on the road. Uh, I did that one time in my neighborhood here, ran around two miles, and then I had a hard time walking for a week just because of the, the beating on the concrete. So, yeah, yeah.
1: Excellent, and your work's taking you to Hollywood. I mean, what what have you learned working in Hollywood? I mean, and how, yeah. how did you end up doing that?
0: So, what was really interesting? So, a good friend of mine, this was a couple years back, a good friend of mine uh, from high school, actually. Um, he and I were both army brats, and uh, and he and his wife had been out in Hollywood for over twenty years, both writing, directing, acting, and they had you know they had a community out there. He had a theater as well, and. Uh, he had invited me out because they were trying to figure out what that next stage was in their career. Um, you know, unless you're, and again, I got to to look behind the curtain a little bit, uh, you know, in Los Angeles and Hollywood and for people that actually live out there and are, and are in this community, I'm going to sound very ignorant, but from somebody from the outside, what what became very apparent to me is that just because you're on TV does not mean that you're making a good living. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. there's, a lot of folks that are out there who have been in TV have been on shows that everybody's familiar with. Um, there is a real divide between your A-listers and your B-listers, and so a lot of these folks that you may recognize and think, "Man, they they must be just living it up," you know, living out in Los Angeles. A lot of times they're not. So they're looking for that next stage of their career. How do they take what they've done, that passion, not just for acting, but then leverage what they're able to do uh, and think differently? You know, the reinvention process, so that they can expound on that, that they can see that there's more to them than just being an actor. And so you know that was uh, why I was brought out originally and started to work with those folks and and got to uh, you know run a couple workshops and then do some more deep more um, intentional work on uh, looking at where those transferable skills and those unique things about them, Uh, transfer into other areas that they're passionate about, you know, one was uh, a mother and she was wanting to do more around training young women who were looking at getting into the modeling agencies. And, and just, you know, she was using her past on that, but then really structuring a course and a program to help people navigate that process, help parents navigate that process as they go into it, because it can be kind of a scary place and not just, you know, I mean, it can be a dangerous place for a lot of young women as well. So, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of things like that, that that are not very futuristic in the sense that most people think of the future, but comes down to the real passion that I have, which is for people. It's to help them think differently, to reimagine what they're able to do and to better understand um, uh, their options and to think differently about the environment that they're in and about themselves and, more importantly, about their potential to truly create the future. And that has to start with us. It has to start with the individual.
1: Absolutely. It's important, isn't it, when you're, Doing that kind of work with people, and I I do as well. That uh, you help them to to think about well, you know, what's the future that I want? Where am I heading? What when I'm old and I look back on my life, what will I have achieved and done? So what steps do I need to start putting in place now? That's Um, it. And and people often don't do that. They just uh, you know they go from one job to the next job, don't they? And without a real clear plan or purpose, and and uh, yeah, you, you can get a little bit lost and stumble if you do that that's right that's exactly right yeah that's uh so, yeah, so, that's so from the future of hollywood uh, actors let's um let's have a chat about the future in in general you know why in you know your opinion is it essential that we all really have a mind on the future today our minds on it and, and i'm also kind of in, intrigued as well you know what what role should we we play in that you know if i think about the environment at the moment, there's a role that we all need to play. And I'm sure that's the same with some of these other drivers. So what's your thoughts on all that?
0: Yeah, you know, when we think about the future in general, I mean, to answer the question about, uh, you know, why we should should be thinking about it or, or the role we need to play, I think it really comes down to this. Number one is that we're always thinking about the future anyway, right? I mean, every decision that we make is future oriented, whether it's the next five minutes, the next five days, the next five years, We're constantly thinking about the future. So at a very base level, my argument here is, well, why not get really good at it? And the reason why we need to get really good at it and more people need to get good at it is that the future isn't something that just happens, right? It's something that's being created every single day, quite literally. And it's being created by the actions that you are taking or not taking, and for a number of people, and I and I get this from folks that I talk to, people that I've worked with, there's this general sense of, well, things are happening so fast, I can't do anything. So I've got one option or maybe two options, and that is I can, you know, sit tight and hope that everything works out. Or The other option is I can find somebody to tell me what to do or tell me what the future is going to be uh, and then make my plans from there. And, you know, I'd say that both are bad options. There's actually a third option. And the third option is is that I can learn how to think differently about the future. I can ask questions that other people are not asking. I can think more critically about it by saying, you know, how does what we see right now today, how might that impact multiple parts of society that will create a new context of the future? See, we rely too heavily, I think, on predictions and forecasts to say, well, that's what I'm, okay, that's what's going to happen. But the truth is, is that forecasting and predictions have a notoriously bad track record. So for any of your guests that were hoping a future, so can get on here and predict the future, I'll go ahead and pull the plug on that real quick and say, that's not the role that I play. And honestly, nobody can really do that. So... Yeah, we need to be more actively involved in questioning and thinking about where these big things, these drivers of change are going, where's artificial intelligence going, not just waiting for some expert to tell them, but to ask questions of, well, how is this going to impact uh, the family? How's this going to impact, you know, the economy? And just really digging in and getting involved before it's too late.
1: That's interesting. I was was sharing your drivers, which we're going to talk about after the break, with with my son the other day in in the car and we were we were chatting through these and then last night he was looking at his options for uh, the exams which are called GCSEs in the, the United Kingdom last night we were at, at his school and I was I was challenging the the business uh, t- uh, lecturer teacher uh, in asking them well you know what do you look at the key drivers in the future? You know, what what to you are the key drivers? And they couldn't really answer that question. And I started to share, well, you know, you know I've got a friend who's a futurist and, uh, and, and these five drivers are the important things. You know, how do you touch on those? How do you help um, people you know, navigate and understand that? And I think we came to the conclusion that they just hadn't really thought about it and it wasn't in the yeah. curriculum. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's important. So we're going to go to commercial break now. And after okay. the commercial break, we will... We will um, be looking at uh, these five drivers, uh, which are all very, very important. Uh, I found this work, and, and also there's a great PDF, I think, that you'll be able to access yeah. uh, from Jared, which we'll mention in the show as well, um, because I think it's really worth having. I've printed it out. It's on my desk at the moment, and I say, I'm, uh, I've been sharing it with my son, and it, it's a, a very helpful and valuable uh, piece, I think. So you, know, you want to access at the end of the show, it's, it's, it's free, and uh, we'll give you a little bit more detail and and insight so we're back again with you in just a, a minute or two
0: when it comes to business you'll find the experts here
2: voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential When it comes to business, you'll
0: find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
2: You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper.
1: Hi, this is Chris Cooper. Great to be back with you. And um, before we uh, talk to Jared again, I just want to mention um, some people I'm very grateful to, FreshBooks, who are supporting the show. And because they have a great product, I don't mind sharing it. It's one that we can certainly benefit from if we're a small business. And, you know, you'll probably remember when you started your small business, if that's the, if that's what you're doing, that it wasn't uh, easy you know, it probably took you lots of late nights and early mornings, the occasional all-nighter. But bottom line, you've been insanely busy, busy ever since. I certainly have. So, if you want to make things a little bit easier, our friends at FreshBooks have a solution. It's called FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software. It's designed specifically for small business owners. Um, it's simple. It's intuitive. Keeps you way more organised than a dusty shoebox filled with lots of receipts. Uh, and I would recommend, you know, if you can use it to create and send professional looking invoices in 30 seconds, get them paid twice as fast with automated online payments. Uh, you can find expenses even quicker, keep them perfectly organized for tax time. It's not my favorite time of the year. And the best part, FreshBooks grows alongside your business. So you'll always have the tools you need when you need them without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. 24 million people are using FreshBooks. And you can try it free for 30 days. There's no catch, no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash elevation and enter the business elevation show in the How Did You Hear Us section to get started. That's freshbooks.com slash elevation and enter the Business Elevation Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started. So let's get back to uh, the conversation with Gerald Nichols. And, Jared, just very top line, could you just share with us what these big five drivers are that we all need to know about? What?
0: Yeah. So these are five drivers that, uh, you know, there's more than five. Let me just go ahead and put that out there. I mean, you know, this isn't one of these definitive, these are the things you must be looking at. I mean, that would go against my overall thesis that how you think about the future is more important than what you think about the future. And going back to what we were talking about, that so many of our decisions about the future are based on what somebody else is telling us the future is going to be. So I want to point that out, that these five drivers shaping the future are five that uh, I've selected. These are five that um, I think are incredibly important and five that are, are uh, you know, relatively familiar to most people um, that are living and breathing today. You know? And those are artificial intelligence, big data, climate change, human gene editing, and, uh, and there's one more, big data. And I do know big data and AI are pretty much interchangeable because one is useless without the other, but those are the the five that uh, I look at as being really important because they are here today, but the full implications of what they will mean or the impacts they will have on our future are uh, are not known. you know that is still an unknown uh, you know it could be several decades before that actually happens so these the reason I want to focus on these uh, is because there's still time to take action. There's still time to change the trajectory of what these drivers will do for us and the kind of impact that they will have on our future as a whole.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Um so let, let's talk about these. And um I think I think you might have said big data twice. I think virtual reality, I think, was the other one which uh,
0: Oh, okay, yes. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, Jared, let me correct you on your paper. It was actually this. <laughs> yes, virtual reality, which, which I am absolutely day. fascinated
1: with. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny when I shared this with my my te- my son's teacher yesterday, or potential teacher. He's looking at choosing his options, and I had to be the one that I had to get. But virt- I couldn't quite remember it was virtual reality, and it suddenly clicked. So I was just, uh, just the yeah. same. Uh, Thank
0: you, Chris. Thank <laughs> you, Chris. Yeah.
1: So let's um let's chat about artificial intelligence. Then you know is and I guess with some of these, you kind of feel like maybe. There's there's opportunities here, but there's potentially threats. You know, tell us about artificial intelligence, things we might worry about.
0: Yeah, so without trying to do a deep dive into what artificial intelligence is, I mean, the most basic understanding of it is it's uh, the ability for machines or a program, an algorithm, to make decisions based on available data that it has. It learns, right? Um, it is, uh, you know, it is what... Uh, drives a lot of automation. It's what is on the back end of a number of programs. Oftentimes, when you chat with somebody online, you know, from a company, you're chatting to an AI bot. But artificial intelligence, the uh, you know, the opportunities for AI are, are pretty huge. Um, there's a lot of concern around it, obviously, because we have some very stark ideas about AI and what that means, thanks to Hollywood. You know, we've got the, the Terminator scenarios. Um, and then we've got uh, the better human scenarios, right? You've, you know, the um, uh, the possibility that AI uh, is going to somehow supplant uh, human intelligence, human value, human worth. This is a big concern that a lot of people have right now because of what we've seen in the movies and because of what a lot of predictions and projections are about uh, work being replaced by machines. So um, when it comes to AI, uh, you know, we have to really step back and and not you know, get obsessed with one narrative or the other, but to look at what is actually being presented and to uh, to really, you know, ask what else might be possible. What's not being focused on here? Because one thing that is consistent when we look at predictions and projections uh, throughout history is that uh, they're almost always wrong, <laughs> you know? Yeah. They're overblown yeah. and they're uh, they are overdone and uh, they are way, way... Uh, well, they're unnecessarily uh, anxiety-driven, and so we have to stop, and we have to really, really think differently about them.
1: Well, I guess one of the, you know, one of the things with artificial intelligence, people start to worry about is, you know, robots being, you know, more intelligent than us, and then being, you know, potentially used as weapons. And um, you know, we we all watch the movies, don't we? And you know, Terminator and <laughs> things like that. Mm-hmm. They they can get the mind going into hyperdrive.
0: Yeah, yeah, they can. And and there's no evidence that, I mean, sure, sure, those are possibilities. Those are possible situations that could happen. Yes. To the extent of the Terminator, probably not. You know, I I think, it, you know, if you're really concerned about artificial intelligence impacts, then the first thing that people need to do is they need to learn about it. You know, don't just read the headlines or the predictions. Go in and, and better understand what artificial intelligence is, where it comes from, uh, you know, what, Real scientists are saying about it, because you'll see some wildly different opinions on uh, on what stage it's at and you know the reality of where it's at. I mean, there's so many things that go into play before these great big extreme scenarios can actually take form that you know we still have time right now as normal people, the public, to get involved in the conversation. and this is this is where thinking differently about these big drivers really comes into play, is that if more of us can take an active role, in uh, asking better questions, can uh, better understand um, what the arguments are for and against artificial intelligence, the real impacts that it might have, Uh, not just focusing on how many jobs might be replaced, but then asking other questions of, well, how many new jobs might be created, right? Just being more actively engaged rather than sitting back and waiting for this future to be created by somebody else this is where we start to say no, no, no. We're all we're all intelligent here. I mean, for the most part, right? You know, my wife would probably say otherwise about me, but you know, it's it's this is the place where we can step back and say, how do we want our future to look, and what role does this technology or this driver
1: play in that? Yeah. yeah so, so, you know, you I, know, I mean, with me talking to my my son about this, I, I think you've you know hitting the nail on the head in terms of you know for. For younger people, there's going to be job opportunities in these areas, isn't there? For um, people who are setting up and developing new businesses, you know, if you go with the flow of potential drivers of the future and align yourself to some of those, maybe you can develop products and services that help in a positive way you know, move, uh, you know, move these aspects forward. Um, yeah. you can influence you can you can lobby you can so there's lots of things you can potentially do by having an awareness and, and keeping them in your mind and understanding them
0: yeah that's exactly right and this is really important here too is is that uh, we have to remember that technology ai you know these type, these are tools right you know i like to use the example uh, when's the last time you saw a hammer get up and build a shed on its own not very often never Right. I mean, it's a tool. It requires human intention
1: yeah.
0: in order for it to become something. So, to you know, when we have this position that, oh, AI is getting out of control and there's nothing we can do, well, we're not there yet. You know, I think we have a long way to go before we're there. Now, you'll hear other people say otherwise, but, you know, I mean, the, the reality is is that we're not there yet. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the idea, we ha- the, the thing that we have to remember is that we have agency. People still have the ability to participate, uh, you know, no matter what. Uh, you know, the modern times tell us about, uh, hey, look, you know, the future is happening fast and it's happening to you, or things are out of control and you don't really have a say over where things are going to go, uh, so suck it up and get used to it. Um, you know, that's just that's just not the truth. So we have to remember technology is a tool. It requires human intention. So why shouldn't it be your intention, you know, that that technology
1: requires? Absolutely. So how about big data then? What's that all about?
0: Yeah, you know, big, I I love data. I am absolutely fascinated by it. Um, to just talk about big data is really boring, but, you know, to uh, to talk about, uh, um, you know, its role in our life today and, you know, where it could go is really exciting. I mean, big data without artificial intelligence and vice versa is, you know, it's not possible. Um, you, we put off, and I don't remember the exact amount right off the top because other folks have done this, um, In fact, you know, if it's helpful, I've actually started putting together an additional resources sheet for each of these drivers that are just documentaries or readings or things that I've found to be really interesting, not official endorsements of, but that dive into more detail about these different drivers. Um, And I'd be happy to send that to you so your guests on the show can. Uh, can access that as well but
1: yeah please please do and we'll put that on if you go to chriscooper.co.uk there's uh, a blog post for this and we'll make sure that that link and information is there because I'd like that because I've been wondering myself how do I find out more about these other publications that tell you about you know helpful technology and what big data and what the next steps in virtual reality you know what you know I'm wondering where to access the best information for this
0: Yeah, certainly. I'll definitely send that to you. But uh, so, big data, when we really just look at it from a high level, data is the fuel of the future, it's the fuel of today. I mean, this is, you know, the amount of data that we put off is remarkable. The amount of data that we're putting off right now during this conversation is insane. you know, and again, I can't remember the exact numbers, but there, it's it's amazing when you look at how much data and information is being put out from our phones, from geo-tracking location. You know, uh, not just what we buy. I think a lot of people are still stuck in that. Oh well, big data is, is where algorithms and companies can see what I buy and can make uh, you know better ad decisions. You know, but what kind of ads they want to put in front of us? It's way beyond that. Uh, You know, I think on a personal level, and I'll just give an example, you know, this past year as I was in this process of overhauling my business and looking at different tools and things that I wanted to be aware of. Uh, data played a big part in that because a big part for me was I started off looking and saying, you know, I want to make sure that I'm I'm better understanding the people that are engaging with my content, uh, making sure that I'm putting the right things in front of the right people and, you know, trying, in, you know, being really intentional about the message and who I'm getting this out to. And that requires information. That requires data. That requires me to be able to look and say, are there patterns here? You know, what am I recognizing? And then being able to turn that around and use the available tools, the technologies that are out there to target, right? You know, we, there's been a lot of, uh, of uh, bad press with Facebook or, you know, other companies for um, highly targeted ads and privacy violations. But the reality is, is that uh, anybody who has a Facebook account, I mean, you surrendered pretty much all of that when you signed up for a free service. And... On the back end, you know, if I wanted to put ads out, you know, like say driving people to this, you know, this download, the the five drivers shaping the future, I got, you know, I could get so granular and specific about the people I wanted to put that in front of and then create lookalike audiences and then do it to a certain percentage and then tweak this and move that. And it's amazing how their AI and their amount of data is able to think for you in a number of ways and put it in front of the right people. And you start to see as it learns Uh, how to make better decisions. So it is a powerful tool for sure. Um, It's not something that I think we need to be afraid of. Instead, I think the way that we need to understand data is that this is what is most valuable to companies. And we're giving it away for free and we're not asking ourselves, well, how much am I surrendering? Uh, This is the big issue I think we have to address as people and data is really important, is do we continue to give our data up for free so that we can post or do whatever it is that we want or use these free services? Or do we engage in a conversation that allows the public to have equity in the overall value of that data? Yeah, Because right now we don't, and we're continuing to surrender that more and more. And you, this is why we're also seeing that wealth gap increase and the disparity that we see is because – hey, give me free stuff and I'll give you all my data and uh, and i don't get a piece of that. So this is a conversation I think we need to have more people involved in because it's going to just hit the fan and everybody's going to wait till, oh no, we just found out how bad these companies were to us or how they've used our data and we're going to do what we do best. We react and throw a fit and get upset. But what I'm saying is, no, it's not too late. Get involved now. Change the conversation now.
1: We've only got three minutes so before commercial break um, but the the third one in your list is climate change which is a huge subject and it's yeah. one that is so so topical on people's minds but also important i just feel that the severity of this in terms in people's minds is is ramping on many people's minds not everybody is ramping up significantly at the moment what's your perspective there
0: uh, yeah i think it's the most important issue of our time honestly now am i do i do i just look into and say well what's the most extreme prediction about climate change no you have to take all this information to account and recognize that it is happening yes you know it's and this because without an environment all the other stuff doesn't matter. <laughs> it just doesn't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so we have to really, we need to be focusing on this. Sadly, it's been politicized. And so it gets put into uh, a complete, it, it gets put into this uh, subjective category. Ah, you know, there's uh, the jury still out. No, it's not. It's really not. I mean, if you want to get granular about certain types of impacts, yeah, that jury's out. But is it happening? That jury's not out. It is. <laughs> you know, just go yeah. outside. Yeah. So, Yeah, this is the thing that we do need to be paying attention to. Um, Do I think we need to, uh, uh, you know, get scared and overexcited about, you know, the worst case scenario? No, we need to pay attention to that. But I do think we need to step back and say, where do we get the greatest return on our, our investment of time, energy and capital to address this problem today? You know, uh, I I want to be able to, to say who are the people that are being most affected or will be most affected by climate change, typically in third world countries. And what can we do to increase their infrastructure, increase education, increase the things that will hit them the hardest so that one, they're better prepared when things do go bad. And then two, we are increasing the brain trust in this world to help combat the problem of climate change. So we have to think long term so we can make better decisions today. And that's a perfect example of it.
1: There's probably also another you know, point that's it's very much in my, in my mind at the moment and, and our family is what, what personally can we do within our sphere of influence to you know, help reduce our footprint? Um, you know, if we all, all take that attitude, we can all have, have a little impact, can't we? Um, we
0: can, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got a buddy uh, named Paul Tulin. And um, he is part of this group called the Green Marine, and uh, and we should definitely link to them as well because that's their whole thing is micro missions, small things you can do every single day to make a difference and impact. Picking up trash, little things. We have to have a change in perspective. We can't just say, well, that's not my trash; that's somebody else's. It's like, well, this is my planet, right? Yeah. We have to be involved at that level. We have to approach it as a problem for us to solve together, not as an issue for us to find blame in each other.
1: We're we'll go to commercial break now. After the break, we'll talk a little about human gene editing, virtual reality, and then uh, a bit more thinking about some of the behaviors that maybe we can start to adopt to, um, to really, really consider and start acting upon uh, some of these um, the things that we're discussing today, really. We'll be back again in just a couple of minutes.
2: facilitated leader development workshops and speeches email info at be to arrange a free no obligation consultation to see how chris and his team can help you have you become a member yet sign up
0: now to become a member of voice america it's always free and easy
2: You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's Chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi,
1: this is Chris Cooper, and with Jarrett Nichols, we're talking about drivers that are shaping the future. Uh, in in the break, we were chatting a little bit about um, you know how it's it's sad that um, the climate change has been kind of politicised, and uh, you know heart goes out today to um, people in Canberra, for example, um, who are got, got raising fires nearby. You know some of this evidence is. All around us. I should also mention it. It is a a significant day in the future of the United Kingdom. And uh, today, as we at the end of uh, the day, Friday the thirty-first of January, two thousand and twenty, we leave the European Union, which um, and we adopt a more, more, um, more independent um, future. Not one that um, some of us, and certainly myself, were comfortable with but that's where we that's where we go a political decision is shaping the future and hopefully we um it's it's a good one as a consequence we don't know until we look back on it so let's talk about human gene editing because uh, mm, this is my a big, favorite this is a big one isn't it oh.
0: yeah <clears throat> and this is the one i'm really interested in too i mean i'm interested in all of them but this is the one that really fascinates
1: me so go ahead chris what, what do you want to know <laughs> well you know uh, you can you, let's talk about what it is for a start at the basic level
0: yeah. Uh, and again, I, I will, I will avoid trying to go in and explain, you know, there's, there's different, you know, there's uh, different parts of human gene editing. But I mean, it's the big overarching uh, picture here is that we now have and we have had the ability to go in and alter DNA. We have the, the, the ability to go in and splice genes and to, uh, you know, select for traits. And that's, that's here. You know, to to actually say, hey, look, you want a kid with blue eyes, brown eyes, um, you know. And again, I'm I'm oversimplifying. I mean, it gets pretty detailed and deep, but uh, yeah, human gene editing is a real thing, and um, it's it it's one that I think has a great deal of promise, but a great deal of uh, well, a great deal of obstacles as well if we're not conscious and intentional about the way we use it. Um, because we could be altering in certain situations the genetic line of human beings uh, that we pass down to our children. So we can't go about this in the same way that, um, in my opinion, the same way that we have viewed technology and Moore's law of you know, exponential growth. We need to be really, uh, really involved. We need more people really involved in this. Um, you know I, I put out these you know and other people have done this too, and of course, science fiction has done this, but looking at uh, you know can you imagine a, a time where you know what we see right now is the income uh, disparity or wealth disparity that you know that disparity is economic? Well, what if in the future that disparity was genetic, and you know in a lot of ways that 's closer than we might think if we are not involved in that conversation. Ah, uh, so this is an area that I'm absolutely fascinated with. Um, so, yeah, but I'll let you ask a question
1: or chime in okay. there. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I just um, you know, I your your, your uh, manuscript kind of opened me up to the thought was that, uh, you know, wealthy people could be, you know, editing. Editing their sort of family genes and becoming more kind of superhuman and and brighter and whatever as a as a consequence of some of this tinkering, but there can also be risks because we probably don't fully understand the implications of this. But that what got me thinking then, as you were saying, that was actually you know, nations could start to compete on this level. You know, if we look Absolutely. at what happened in Nazi Germany and uh, in the in the you know in the Second World War, for example, you know, seeing yeah. themselves as a kind of super race, you could imagine. Imagine them utilizing something like this to try and gain an advantage. Um, yeah, not- this,
0: this technology, Chris, you're absolutely right. This, is, this would have been, and this is like the dream of uh, of Nazi Germany. This this is the thing is that like, can we, you know, that's that was their whole, you know, their breeding programs and these, it's just insane. So thankfully we didn't have the technology then, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it is, uh, uh, it's a real thing. Um, but it also has a lot of possibilities for, for good, you know, I mean, being able to fight cancer, being able to identify, uh, uh, you know, things that um, can be remedied through genetic modification. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, it, with it, if we had a whole show to dive into all the intricacies of this, it'd be interesting. But more importantly, I think we step back and we have to say and remember that, especially in the Western world, you know, our our form of medicine Really is we like to dissect and we say, oh, well, you've got a problem with your foot. Well, let's just address the foot. You know, we can't approach gene editing, in my opinion. Uh, And again, I'm not a scientist, but, you know, from what I understand of this, we can't really approach genetic modification in the same way of saying, well, this problem over here could be remedied if we just cut this out and put this in we have to remember that we're an entire body and not yeah. just that but we have an entire ecosystem and you know a genetic uh, structure and that if you remove one thing or splice this or edit that you could be setting off a chain of events of a number of unintended consequences and i you know i think that that scenario in and of itself and that picture in and of itself is also the reason why we need to be more involved and in thinking more critically about the future about ai about big data about you know climate change it's not just one thing to address it's one piece in the puzzle and we have to better understand how if we do certain things or accelerate or decelerate certain things how it will impact multiple parts of society multiple parts of the future
1: yeah this is a really important really important subject i've been uh, seeing and Having conversations with my wife for, uh, over the last week who's a, a, a doctor a GP uh, about about the consultants have become so specialized now you know, um, certainly over here in terms of you know, people looking at the you know that the heart and maybe some of the, the kidneys and, um, and the, the brain and it's all very um, kind of specialized and focused but if you've got a more general kind of issue that's affecting several things there's, uh, it's, struggle, it's difficult to know where to go. <laughs> Who can help you? Because no one seems to have the focus on the whole system.
0: Well, you know, let me, let me use that example. I think that's great. I mean, I, w- I definitely want a brain surgeon. If I had to have brain surgery, I want a specialist in brain surgery, not a generalist. Yeah. So let's, let's use this as, as a great picture here. There's two parts. You can really look at it, it's two ends. There's the, the high level, you know, the thinking, the big landscape, the general Right, or the, the strategy, if you will, and, and I don't mean just business strategy, but being strategic is looking from a high level and seeing how things might play out, then there's the tactical. And if you have tactical, you need people that are specialized in certain uh, skills, processes, whatever that might be, to execute against that end goal you know, or execute against something that requires expertise. But if you try to be strategic with a tactical um, approach, It's just going to be a mess. And sadly, that's how a lot of our decisions are being made. Um, You know, we, we have to say, hey, if something's going on with my brain, what else is going on with the rest of my body? And then get down to the root cause and then be able to identify those with specialized expertise, you know, to execute against, you know, the root cause problem. Yeah. Rather than just saying, well, let's fix the brain, because that might set something off that, you know, uh, damages my arm. You know, it is a bad analogy, but hopefully it, it resonates like, oh, OK, you know, there's two parts to this.
1: Yeah. So we've got, I've only got a few minutes left to then. Virtual reality. Tell us oh, more. Yeah.
0: I'm loving virtual reality. There's so much there. Uh, where do you want to start, Chris?
1: Well, again, I think uh, we, know we may get a, an understanding from kind of headsets and things like that, which uh, can maybe mm-hmm. put us into a different a different dimension you know what is the scope of it and what is the potential benefits of virtual reality how how might the future look different with it
0: yeah yeah uh so there's a lot uh i mean virtual reality our brains can't tell the difference that that's that's been scientifically proven our brains don't know the difference uh this this past christmas i was uh, with family my nephew has an Oculus Quest, which I'm, I'm really interested in, in one of these as well. But he has an Oculus Quest, and he let me try this thing out. And it's amazing how you can just experience that. You go in there, and even though what you're looking at is animated and you know intellectually that this is virtual, your body and your brain responds to things the same way it does in real life. And this has a huge amount of potential for a couple of things. Uh, one, they've identified, you know, uh, opportunities to help people overcome fears, anxieties, uh, PTSD. There's so there's the, a lot of the positive aspects of how virtual reality can work to help people rewire and uh, recreate stories. Uh, you know, there's also. Um, uh, amazing possibilities for uh, connecting and having more empathetic, you know, experiences. And I think this is really important in this day and age. And the example that I use in the in the paper there, and I've used this a lot, is the, di- the first time I watched this uh, documentary, this short form documentary called Clouds Over Sidra, it was shot with a 360 camera in a Syrian refugee camp. And then it was narrated by one of the refugee children that were in there that were taking you on a tour of their camp. And you could wear this uh, just a regular headset, throw your phone in it and you know, see the 360 view. But your brain got to experience for a moment what life was like through their eyes. Yeah. And this to me is huge because we are being more siloed and segmented and told to distrust the other. Well, how much more effective would it be rather than trying to convince me right, intellectually to understand the problems of people halfway across the world? Why don't you give me an experience as close as possible? Let me see their conditions and how they're living because my human nature will relate to that far more than my brain is going, well, intellectually, I read the story and yeah, I'm going to take this position. No, we need to understand as best we can what life is like to the lives of other people. So that's a huge benefit that I think we have. On the flip side, and I know we've got a short amount of time, the flip side, there are a lot of dangers, right? Uh, Yes, we could be getting desensitized to more violence. You know, I mean, there's games, you know, these first person shooter games and, and full disclosure, I enjoy those. Right. Not because, you know, it's just they're fun. But I also have enough maturity and understanding to say, you know what? I know this isn't real. This is not, <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to. It's just it's, you know, but some people might not. Um, you know, we have to keep humanity at the forefront of every decision that we make about all of these drivers, Chris. That's what I look at. When we think about five, these five drivers shaping the future, the first question we should be looking at, or the lens we should be looking at, is its long term impact on humanity. Because if we lose our own humanity in the process of this, then everything else just kind of unravels. And so with VR, it's the same way. You know, are we creating experiences that dehumanize more people? And if that's the case, we're moving in the opposite direction.
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, now the as as individuals, a lot of this is just going to happen, isn't it? With with, without our impact. But uh, any thoughts on how we maybe should react to it? And uh, you know, and how do you help people? Just two minutes. Yeah, in
0: which way, Chris? Just so I one
1: minute right. actually. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So. React to what you're talking about. All the drivers
1: here. Yeah, yeah, and to these sort of future changes. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing is is that you have
0: to uh, you have to step back, and if you're serious about wanting to know how the future might unfold, and you want to play a part in that, then you have to slow down, and you have to stop, and you have to take the time to to actually investigate. Don't just look for somebody's quick shot off answer. Don't don't even rely on what I'm telling you. Challenge what I'm saying right? Look for for other ways that people aren't thinking about them. And and the key thing is to ask, well, what else is possible here. This is what the experts are saying, but what else is possible? Use that as a jumping off point and get involved. It's amazing how much more uh, uh, exciting the future can be when you approach it from a position of learning and discovery and not a position of fear and, you uh, you know, trying to make sure that you're covering your bases and keeping yourself protected, you know, because the future is being created. Your future is being created right now. So the question you have to answer for yourself is, do you want somebody else doing it or do you want to do it? And if you want to do it, then you have to be aware and conscious of these forces that are driving and shaping the future. Both those that we've talked about today, but more importantly, the ideas and the stories that you are living by, and your beliefs and perspectives internally. So that's where you start. Get involved. Become aware of uh, of how the world is changing, and and start to shape the conversation.
1: Well, fantastic. Well, I think that's a great way to end end the show. Uh, it's been a brilliant talking to you again. Really. Yeah.
0: Thanks, Chris. I've, I've enjoyed this for sure. All right, everybody, that is it for today's show. Again, thank you so much for being here. And if you have not subscribed, make sure you do that before you uh, turn this episode off. And then also visit us at thenewfuturist.com where you can find out more about our work, uh, a lot of the free resources that we have. And of course, if you want to take your strategic thinking, your decision-making, or increase that skill set to drive real innovation and create the future, then you'll definitely want to check out the Foresight Academy. You can find that on our website at thenewfuturist.com under courses, but you can also find that at theforesightacademy.com. Again, that's theforesightacademy.com. And this is something we're doing in partnership with the University of Tennessee, where uh, folks that go through this program and they complete it are uh, issued a certificate in strategic foresight from the Haslam College of Business at the University of Tennessee. So again... Check us out at thenewfuturist.com, but also if you're interested in, uh, in the Foresight Academy and getting your certificate in strategic foresight, then definitely check us out at theforesightacademy.com. As always, uh, feel free to reach out to us directly. Let us know what you think. If you've got some ideas or comments or things that you want to see us uh, or hear us talk about, we want to hear from you. We want to know. So make sure that you comment on the blog
2: and, uh, and leave us a note. All right. Thanks again, everybody. See you soon.